I'm ready. Okay. Let's jump right in. Um, so, today is January 11th, 2012, and today on the podcast we're talking to Brenton Ashworth. Hello, Brenton. Hello. So, the listeners to our podcast know that we have a little uh, tradition that we have here, which is um, we play intro music of the guests choosing. So, what would you like to play for the intro music here today on the podcast? Um... Metallica fight fire with fire. All right. Okay. I love it. I prove I'm a metal fan myself. All right. So that we're here today to talk uh, with Brenton about something that we just, just as in less than an hour ago, pulled the switch and released um, something called Closure Script 1. Um, so Brenton, I wonder if you could start us off by telling us what exactly that is. Well, it's a uh, it's a project that has the goal to to help you get started with ClojureScript, and the reason why that's the goal is because we found it to be a little bit hard to get started, and especially getting started in the correct way and taking advantage of all the tools that are included with ClojureScript. So um, we just wanted to make it as easy as possible, and to do that by showing you how to how to get started. Right. So, I mean, I should explain to people that, you know, this interview is a little bit strange for me because I've been working pretty closely with you and with a bunch of other people at Relevance on this project. So I don't have the usual, I have a very insider perspective on this, but I'm still going to kind of play the outsider here and and ask you questions coming from the perspective of somebody who hasn't seen this before. Um, For example, um, like I know one of the things that we've talked about is you've been pretty adamant about saying that this thing is not a framework. Right. right, and I wonder if you could explain why why you say that and and what it is if it's not a framework. Well, first of all, frameworks are usually the kind of thing that come out of a lot of experience doing something, um, or maybe they're not, and that's kind of even a, a worse, uh, you know, that's a bad situation if they, right. they come from a, a position of uh, you know not coming from experience. Um, this closure script is something that's new, and the kind of applications that closure script is meant to help you create are also new to many of us. And so we don't have a lot of experience writing these kinds of applications. And so I think it's a little premature to uh, start creating frameworks. Um, so it so it isn't a framework, and that's the reason why. Um, did you ask me if uh, if it was a library? I didn't, but that's, that was going to be my one of my next questions is, yeah, so if it's not a framework, then it's a what? So it's an ex- it's really an example. It's uh, it's a lot of code that you can you can either just learn from or you can use it as a starting point for for an application. So it's it's mostly a learning tool to help people get in and look at a, at a. It's not really a real application because it's it's small, but it's real enough to teach you uh, the fit, the basic things that you would need to know to get started with ClojureScript. Right, and and um, you mentioned a minute ago, you said um, a certain type of application. Uh, yes. ClojureScript one is very much meant to help people, not with sort of general development, but with a particular type of of coding. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so clo- the goals of ClojureScript um, are pretty clear about the kinds of applications that it's designed to help you make, and it's. And it's for creating large JavaScript applications. And it's it's for creating large JavaScript applications that run for a long period of time. And when you apply that to creating web applications, we're talking about single-page applications. Um, they run in the browser for long periods of time. And, and, 
And if you think of, uh, of the, a lot of the decisions that have been made uh, around ClojureScript, they were made with that. They were made to achieve that goal. So the reason why the um, we use the uh, the closure the Google Closure compiler, and the reason why we've chosen to be compatible with um, with Google's approach is so that we can um, we can write applications the way you would normally write large applications in other languages on, and targeting other platforms, but do that uh, for the JavaScript for JavaScript platforms. Right. So um, I, I, one of the things that we kind of um, felt really good about when we uh, made the decision was was the name ClojureScript One. Um, right. I wonder if you could kind of share with people the you know what it used to be called and why we changed the name and some of the things that we found about the name that really kind of resonated with the goals of the project. So it's uh, it was it started off as the ClojureScript Starter Kit. And uh, I think that was a good name because it really did describe what the purpose of the project was. And, uh, and as we were able to spend more time working on it, it started to change a little bit in the sense that it, that it wasn't just a starter kit in the sense that we, you know, we, were help, we, we, wanted to, we were just throwing it out there and you could use it to get started. It was, it was much more than that. And, and if you look at all of the things that... Uh, that this project is concerned with, there are a lot of ones. There's um, with single page applications. Um, you're writing pro you're writing programs in one language, and even if that means uh, writing a writing something that's going to have a client and a server aspect, it would always be one language, client and server. You would be able to use closure data structures to communicate between those two uh, pieces. So, uh, so those are two things. What are some of the other ones? Maybe you can help me help me remember. Oh yeah, we had we had quite a few. It was one of those things where we came up with the name and then we're sitting there going, Oh yeah, and it's one whatever. I mean, one of the yeah. one of the neatest things in the project, in my opinion. I mean, the one that several people when we when we showed it to them were like, Whoa, that is so cool, is the ability to test your application. Both, okay, right. both sides of it from one place. Like you this is actually in the code if people go and look in the testing stuff, and there's a whole wiki page devoted to testing. Where you can maybe maybe you can describe this a little bit better than I could, but just the idea that there's one test. Maybe you could dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, the, we, when we created the browser connected REPL, we pulled evaluation out so that it's a separate thing and there's a protocol around it. And it um, being able to do that opened up a lot of possibilities. And one of the possibilities is that we can, from closure code, evaluate JavaScript code in the browser. Yeah, and actually, I want to stop you for one second. Okay. Because you said browser-connected REPL. Yes. And th this is just one example of one of the many gems that is that is part of one. It's not something that that ClojureScript one invented, but it's it's such a part of the experience that I I wonder if you could just do a parenthetical statement on um, on the browser-connected REPL because it is it's kind of it's pretty cool. Yeah. So it allows you to start up a read eval print loop that evaluates code in the browser. So instead of evaluating code in the process where you're reading and printing, the, uh, the, the, the forms that you enter get compiled to JavaScript, sent to the browser for evaluation, and then printed back in your REPL. And the, the amazing thing about that that you really have to experience for yourself is that if you're an experienced closure programmer, you have a certain way of working and it's a great way of working where you can type things that you can write code in a source file and evaluate it in the REPL. It's a very fluid 
experience when you're writing code. And um, you now have this experience when you're writing code that's targeting the browser. And that is uh, something that I've never experienced before. And I think it's one of the best parts of ClojureScript right now. Yeah, it's really awesome to be sitting there and, you know, you're in Emacs or whatever, and you hit a key and, oh, look, now I have this function available to me. And, oh, hey, I wonder, my application is running. running. I wonder what the value of, of you know, X is right now. Or what would happen if I called this function? What would the what would the GUI do? And to be able to do those things interactively and and see it happen. And, and of course, you know, we have that to some degree with the, the JavaScript console. Right, uh, but then to combine that with uh, Closure Script, and then to get, and we'll jump back in a minute to the topic we were talking about before we dive, dove into this, um, to be able to combine that when you've got the application that's Closure on the back end and Closure Script in the browser, and to be able to move through those worlds, that just it gets pretty cool pretty quick. Yeah, and it's in- it's interesting to point out the difference uh, with the JavaScript console, and the JavaScript console allows you to uh, evaluate code. But it's not part of your normal working environment. So the, the amazing thing about the browser-connected REPL is it becomes a part of the way that you write all of your code. So uh, it's much more in- integrated into uh, you know every moment of development. And one other thing to point out about it is, that is really amazing is that you don't you can if you have a the larger your application gets, the more important this becomes because. You don't have to start an application. Like if if I can reload the application, we usually look at that as being like the uh, the best that it can be. Like I can reload an application without compiling it. But if you have a large application and you have to do 20 things to get to some point in the application where you're working to test something, uh, having a browser-connected REPL allows you to get to that point in the application and then sit there and work on whatever you're working on until you get it right. Right, yeah. you could you could redefine a function and then yeah. hit hit a button and it would oh well that time it almost worked let me redefine the function again hit the button again and then just keep like you say iter- iterate until you get it right yeah without having to do, re- redo all the steps to get back to that point right yeah no I just th- that was something that when you showed it to me a few months ago I was like wow okay you know I had been aware of closure script. Um, and we're being careful here today, by the way, listeners, to say closure script when we're talking about the language and closure script one when we're talking about the project we just released. It's a it's a it's a subtle but important difference. Um, uh, subtle in the sense of like the words are close together. Obviously, the, the technologies are two different things. Um, but when you showed me that browser connected REPL, I was like, wow, now I understand why I would want to do closure script. Right. It became much more compelling when I understood that. Um, but sorry, but I wanted to go back to because uh, I want to make sure we cover this is also very cool and it is it is something that's specific to Closure Script One is is um, in there you've shown us um, a, a really interesting testing approach. So I, I interrupt, interrupt you to talk about the the REPL. Maybe you can pick up where you left off. Yeah. So the so the REPL the way it was implemented, we can reuse that implementation to run. JavaScript code from Closure code, and and you're not only just running JavaScript code, you're running it actually in the browser. So this is this allows you to do very interesting things with testing, including write tests in a using a Closure testing framework, and simultaneously evaluating code in the browser and on the server, so that you can check, for example, you can do a check that would. Um, drive the browser to a certain point, do something in the browser, 
then check that the state has properly changed on the server and check also that the state is correct in the browser after this thing happens. So you can write tests that, uh, that, that check both sides at the same time, both the client and the server. Yeah, that's just so cool. <laughs> yeah. I just love that. That is just so neat when I saw that. And uh, I, I mean, I know that one of the one of your big goals for this um, project is to kind of inspire people to go and find yeah. the other ways that that ClojureScript can make web programming or this particular type of web programming more interesting, better, more exciting, innovative, whatever. Right. Um, and, and it's stuff like that that I that is going to be really fascinating to see. Um, as people start to work with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I wonder if, so let's dive a little bit more into into why you did this. And and I guess maybe one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, so, so looking down the road, you know, this thing released today. Today is Wednesday, January 11th. You know, as we go forward, at some point in the future, you're going to look back and what would be the thing that if it happened, you would go that that was the moment where I knew that this thing was a success. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What what would that event be in your mind? Hmm. Well, I I think that one of the main goals of this, and I've seen this a little bit up to now, is that there are a lot of tools in ClojureScript that that aren't understood very well, and the reason why they aren't understood very well is because. Um, because there just isn't a lot of documentation. And so I hope that's one thing that, that ClojureScript 1 fixes is that there is more documentation around uh, the ClojureScript tools. And so I would think, I would uh, consider this project a success if I started seeing other projects that pop up that, uh, that really start taking advantage of these tools in the ways that they're being uh, taken advantage of in ClojureScript 1. So building, um, like building tools on top of evaluating using those evaluators that we built for the REPL. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's just really a, t a lot of interesting things you can do, and I just I want people to see what the possibilities are and then go out and make those things. And so as long as I see people doing that, I will think it's a, su a success. That's cool. Um, so maybe I can get you to drill in a little bit on that. Um, what are some of the interesting things that you see in there that um, maybe people haven't been aware of, or you know, some of the things you were talking about? Um, so, well, so one of the future goals of this project is we have a browser-connected REPL, but what I would really like to see is a is a REPL that allows you to connect to multiple browsers at the same time. And what would be extremely interesting is being able to run tests, have a test suite that can run simultaneously in any number of browsers. But from the server side, it appears to just be one, you're, it appears that you're talking to one browser. So you, you can still test the server side as if you were talking to one browser, but also confirm that the client part of the application is working as it should on multiple browsers. So do you mean that there would be like, 17 instances of Chrome like I would do with load testing? Or are you talking more about, let's make sure that IE works and Firefox and Chrome and whatever? So you could do, the interesting thing is you could do both, right? Like you could have some tests that are testing cross-browser issues and other tests that are testing um, like concurrency type issues, right? 
Right. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send, I'm going to evaluate this exact same thing in 50 browsers at one time. And like, let's say, um, you know, there, there's something on the server that should be protect, you know, protecting some state so that it doesn't get messed up if, if 50 things try to do the same thing at one time. You can actually write a test that does that. And, uh, and then the other, the other part of it would be checking to see that, that everything's working the same in, um, in different browsers. Right. So those, I mean, those are just ideas, right? And those are some of the things. And I'm sure there's, uh, there's a lot more that I can't think of. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I know you've said many times that, um, you know, what you really want to do is educate and inspire people with this project. So as you say, if, if people uh, don't go beyond what we've put out there, then to some degree we haven't succeeded. Right, right. And that, um, by the way, that is why this project isn't a framework or a library. And that's why it exposes a lot of stuff that you could I could have easily or we could have easily hidden from people to make it easy. But if we did that, then it wouldn't be, you wouldn't learn as much from it. And so that's why there's so much exposed because we want people to learn how those low level details work so that they can build those kind of, those kind of tools. Gotcha. Yeah. So let's say I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested. I have a, I have an application in mind. Um, uh, and, uh, I think I want to use closure script for it. Um, Maybe there's even a back end for it. That's totally optional, right? By the way, I, I, there's no reason I have to, I have to have a closure back end with this stuff, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So at, at, at development time, it does closure script one does require closure there you to have a closure process running, but but you can build an application in this way and ship it, and it, it would all just run in the browser without you could run it off a file on on disk if you wanted to. Yes. Yeah. Um. But but let's say that I have some application in mind of whatever kind. And I want to use it. What 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 do you see as the process? Like I go to the closure site, closure script one website, uh, which is closurescript1.com, no hyphens or anything. Um, and I look there, getting started. I download closure script one. How do I go from from you know that pile of code and documentation and the, the sample app that's in there to to um, a, a running implementation of the thing I have in my head? What do you what do you think that looks like? Well, there's a lot that we can do uh, and we are planning to do in the future to make doing that easier. But for now, what the, uh, what, the way that you would do that would be to, to number one, learn from, learn from this project. Uh, it's an example. And so a lot of times, you know, when we start doing something, we've done it before. And so we can look at what we've done before to figure out you know, how to get started on this new project. Mm -hmm. And so there isn't a lot of history with ClojureScript, so you can use it in that way and say, oh, okay, here's how somebody set up a project. I can set up my project in the same way. So you could simply copy this code into your project and start from there. Um, the, uh, another way you can do it is you could just, you could fork the repo and then go in and delete the sample application and then start building your application right inside that repository. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing that you could do is you could look at how we handle dependencies for ClojureScript and Domina in, in ClojureScript 1, and you could set up your project to do the same thing for, for ClojureScript 1, essentially making ClojureScript 1 a dependency in your project. Okay. Um, so, so those are, those are the three options now, but they, they could be easier. Right. And we'll, I think we'll come back in a minute to some of the places where, where we think, um, Closure script, closure script one uh, is going to go, but I, I want to 
to touch on a couple things you mentioned. Um, and the ones jumping immediately in my mind is you mentioned something called Domino. What's that? Uh, it's uh, Luke Vanderhart has created a uh, DOM manipulation library named Domino. And it can't, it was released, I think, just a few weeks ago. And we started using it in ClojureScript 1 because we think it's currently the best it's the best way to do that in ClojureScript. And, uh, and it's so far we've really enjoyed using it. It seems to work very well. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the, other, the other thing that you talked about was, uh, and, and this is, uh, you, you know, we, we touch on this in the wiki as well, um, although there's a pretty large amount of documentation. Um, people might not hit it right away. You, you mentioned dependency management, and, and you mm -hmm. have a slightly different take on this than what people coming from, say, a closure background might might be used to. Yeah, so we um, we did something kind of controversial with dependencies in Closure Script One, and uh, I, I actually think it's good. And we'll see what people what other people think. And and it's 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 a kind of an idea, and it's very simple, and it needs a lot of work. But what we're doing is we are we're simply depending on the the Git repository source for ClojureScript and for Domina, the two ClojureScript libraries that we use in the project. Mm -hmm. And the way that it works is that you just, uh, for your own depend dependency management, you would make a uh, some sort of script that would get your dependencies, and it would clone the repositories into the library directory of the, uh, of the project and set up the class path um, uh, appropriately. And the advantage of this is that, first of all, in ClojureScript, you really only have source dependencies. So you don't need any kind of binaries, um, except for ClojureScript, which needs uh, a couple of jar files. But uh, you can get those with line again if you'd like. But for ClojureScript libraries, you really only need source dependencies. And by using the Git repository as the dependency, you get all the power of Git with your library. So when it when it clones the repositories that you depend on, it creates a branch for both for each of the dependencies, and you work with that branch, but then if I, so, so having a branch um, created from a specific version of those repositories gives you a solid version to depend on, but in the future, as those libraries change, you can easily um, try your project on uh, on master or any other branch that exists in the repositories and also if you decide if you need to make changes to the libraries it's very easy to do and if those libraries uh, accept pull requests you can easily just send pull requests straight from you know the library that you're using as a dependency mm -hmm. so there I th there are a lot of advantages to doing it this way and I think that uh, it's it's very it's compatible with the direction that ClojureScript itself is going, um, so I don't know. It, it will be interesting to see if we can uh, unite doing this with some of the other um, things that we're doing for managing dependencies. Right. Yeah, we've been public for all of uh, what two hours now, so uh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna be looking very much at the community to see what they have to say about some of the approaches we've taken, and especially. Um, for people who have a chance to apply this to to real problems and uh, and, right. and see what, what kind of traction they get, right? Um, so we we a couple times you've said uh, things like, well, you know, we're happy with where this is at, but there's still some work to be done. Um, I wonder if you could talk for a minute about um, where you think ClojureScript One 
is not where you'd like to see it. Like, what are the limitations? What are the what are the gaps? What are the what are the the, the areas that you feel people should be aware of that that we don't think this is the be all and end all point? Right. So it's uh, we we created a sample application and we really built uh, built everything around that application, like providing tooling for the application. Uh, that we were making, and also wrapping Google Closure libraries to support that application, and so we were able to wrap a lot of a lot of the Google Closure libraries, or a few of them, and and uh, and I. Th- but there's so much more in there. I think that you know we could work really for like a year if we wanted to, making great uh, closure libraries that wrap uh, what's in Google Closure. Um, so that's kind of a limitation. Um, if, if you were writing your own application and using Closure Script 1 and the libraries that are there, you could you would benefit partially from having those libraries, but you're still going to have to drop down to Google, Google Closure. Uh, but we hope that the libraries that are in here will give you some examples of, uh, of how much better Closure can make working with Google Closure. Mm. Um, other things that are, that are problems are... Uh, we have we closure script itself has a couple of issues working in versions of IE later than or earlier than uh, eight, I believe. Um, we've kind of dealt with we've dealt with some of those, but we still need to to fix the rest of them. Um, so that's more of an issue with closure script itself, not closure script one. Yeah, that's true. What else? Um, I, I just think there's a lot of things that we want. There's, there are a lot of other things that I want to show, like that we can do, like that I've mentioned before, like the, the having a, a browser connected REPL that can connect to multiple browsers. Right. And so you know, there's still a lot of, I, I think, a lot of ideas. I, I, I guess another thing is te- the testing situation. Right. Right now we're showing one example of how to do, uh, some really cool stuff with testing, but there's a lot of other stuff that we could do. Um, and I, th- I think that's one of the first things I would like to improve as we move forward. Sure. And, and of course, you know, we've been, we've been working pretty hard. Um, a bunch of people at relevance, um, outside of just you and me, and we'll give them a shout out in a little bit, um, to, to get this thing out and into the public and in a good state and get all the documentation that we can, that we can get written, um, and uh, so sort of our next step, the, the thing that we, you and I will probably do uh, along with everybody else uh, tomorrow probably is to sit down and go, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next most important thing to work on here? Um, right. So that's, that's going to be interesting. And again, you know, we'll be looking to the community to see what trials and tribulations they're having and what things they like too. Right. Um, so I just saw a comment on Twitter go by, which was um, really, it raises another really interesting aspect of the closure script one philosophy, which is from David uh, David Nolan, and I'll just read it. Uh, he says an important methodology behind the development of closure script one: make it work for the de- for the designers. Hashtag usability. Mm. Right, and I think that's a that's a really interesting aspect. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what the designer experience is, and 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 the way in which closure script respects the 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 work that designers do. So it uh, it's interesting because in all of the closure web projects that I've seen, people typically use something like Hiccup to uh, do all of their templating um, with closure data, which is very convenient if you're the only person working on the um, on the project. Mm-hmm. 
But if you're working, if you have a large team and you've got designers um, that aren't going to be familiar with Clojure, then having them edit Clojure data isn't the best uh, approach. And usually designers have their own tools that they're familiar with. And so what would be great is if you could allow the designers to use whatever tools they're familiar with and then pull their work into the project and use it without, uh, without too much trouble. And so that's the approach that we've taken here. And we use kind of a trick in ClojureScript to make that happen, which I don't know that I'll talk about here, but uh, if you ask me, I'll, I'll keep talking about it. <laughs> well, I will point out that we, we actually used this approach when we were developing ClojureScript 1 itself, where we had access to uh, designers, a, a number of very talented designers, uh, Jen Myers, Kevin Altman, and, and Michael Parenteau helped us make this thing look, um, and, and I won't speak for you, but I will say that I think the the when you look at Closure Script 1, it looks a billion times better than what I would have come up with. Oh, yeah. And and part of the reason for that is that we were able to to take exactly the approach you're talking about, where there's a, when you fire up the, the sample application, there's a button that says design, and that's where the designers can go and put and put uh, put stuff in and see how it looks, and then the the coders, if they're separate people, are actually pulling directly from those resources that they embed in the in the application. Right, and so to yeah to overview how it works is that the uh, the designers can work with they can produce HTML in whatever way they want to produce it. And we have a design. We have a, a link in the development application that allows you to see the the raw HTML. Um, uh, you know, or it's not. It allows you to see the HTML that's been produced by the designers in whatever form that is. And it could be you could have separate pages, one for each view in the application, or you could even have something that was more like a palette with a bunch of different user interface elements. Um, you know, on a single page. And then what we do is there's a transformation that runs at compile time that pulls those HTML resources into the Java, into the JavaScript application or the ClojureScript application. And then from within the application, you can use and manipulate those pieces. So, uh, and, and, we've, and we, we also have it so that as you're developing, if you make a change to the HTML, if you reload the uh, ClojureScript application, you immediately can see the change in the application. So the designers can can work com independently from any code, or if they're comfortable uh, editing Clojure code, they can look at the application and make changes to the HTML resources and then just refresh and see their changes in the application. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so I, I wonder if we could get a, a little personal for a second. Um, so uh, you started at Relevance relatively recently. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you started at the end of October. Yes. And um, I believe this project was your first um, opportunity to really do a significant amount of pair programming. Um, I don't know if everybody that's listening knows this, but at Relevance, uh, we use pair programming extensively. It's it's that's our typical practice. If 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 I'm a developer and I'm working on a project, I'm working with someone else sharing a screen either because I'm sitting next to them or because we're using some sort of remoting technology and, you know, typing together, reviewing everything that everyone else does. So this was, I think this was your first opportunity to do, to do a lot of pairing at Relevance. Um, and it was with me. <laughs> so yeah. so sorry about that. But, uh, <laughs> but I was wondering if you could comment on how that was for you, what that experience was like and how it was, how it, how you think it influenced the development of ClojureScript 1. 
So it's uh, it's interesting because it's not just my first pair programming experience at Relevance. It was my first pair programming experience ever. So throughout my entire career, I've worked alone. And uh, so working with you, um, I think how, how many weeks now have we been working together? Uh, since about mid begin maybe towards the beginning of December. So, you know, yeah. throwing vacation and, cut, you know, about a month, something like that. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's totally different from what I'm used to. And it's, there are, I think there are both good and bad things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think that from a uh, software quality standpoint, it's, there's kind of nothing but good about it. Yeah, uh, uh, well, I agree. Uh, although um, I, I'm, totally happy to hear what you think is is bad about it i mean that's that's a really interesting aspect uh what what do you what did you find that was not positive about the experience well i think that one of the things that's interesting is this project uh, itself closure script one came from a very experimental creative process Mm -hmm. and i think that doing that is much harder with a pair sure like the creative aspect but just getting work done at a high quality level is much better with a pair, mm. but the exploring side and the creative side of, of just coming up with new ideas seems like that that's better. It's better to be alone to do that. Yeah, it, it can be difficult to, because uh, that stuff sort of comes from deep inside your brain, and it's there's you know speech is a low bandwidth channel compared to right your, your subconscious talking to your conscious mind or whatever whatever is going on in that process and yeah, you I, need to and you need to try things like i need i just need to do something and then try something else and change gears a lot and when you're with somebody else it's much it seems like it's harder to do that sure so well i mean just briefly what we're you know maybe you can talk about some of the ways that we dealt with that challenge on this project well um let's see i think that we i think that when we ever whenever we needed to do that we would maybe take a break yeah. Think about go off and think about things on our own. Um, I think having talking with even if you don't come to a solution, if you talk or struggle with another person about an issue, then as soon as you, I, I often found that as soon as you split up, I would I would think of the answer. Right. And it's interesting because you know you could maybe draw two conclusions like oh now that I'm free. I was able to come to the answer, right. but I think more like, uh, I think you may have mentioned this at one point, it's more like you're, uh, you're loading all this information into your brain. And, uh, when, when your brain has a little, uh, little time to process it, then, uh, then you can, you find the answer, but yeah. I think that, uh, working with somebody else helps you in the, in the loading process. Right. Yeah. Rich Hickey touches on it a bit in his uh, hammock talk from the yeah. first closure conch for anybody that's seen that is, you know, load up your brain and then sleep, sleep on it essentially, I think is how he put it. Um, right. so, so I, I, I agree that is, that is a challenge and that is, that is, I think the best way we've found it f- to deal with it. Yeah. All and right. Well, go, another, on, go ahead. Yeah, please. Another positive is just the, that it just keeps you on track. Yeah. If you have a goal and, uh, you know, when you're with another person, it's way easier to stay on track. And when you're by yourself, it's just, it's super easy to, um, to go down a rat hole for, it, several days. Yeah. And I like to, I like to think of that from the client's perspective. I, I, I am here to say that, um, that when you've got pairs working for you, um, <laughs> they're working hard. I don't know about you, but when I first started at relevance and first started doing pairing extensively, I was wrung out at the end of every day. It's just, you don't, you know, you just, there's no downtime. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, well, I think, I think I want to, I want to wrap it up, but I, I want to, 
uh, maybe come back to Closure Script 1 for a minute and to say, um, and to ask you, um, you know, to, to what extent do you have plans for Closure Script 1? I know we've, we've said that we're going to sit down and um, sit down and talk about uh, what happens next, but do you have any sort of big picture ideas about where, where it's going to go down the road? Well, I, I really want to start making serious applications based on Closure Script, and so mm-hmm. I want to keep pushing this forward until it gets to the point where I feel comfortable doing that. And uh, and most of the the things that I I think are missing are just tools to help uh, solve a lot of the problems that for me in the past have made closure uh, have made JavaScript development painful. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, I keep going back to the the uh, multi browser connected REPL, but really like right. uh, in in the process of finishing up uh, what we have so far, you and I dealt with this problem where we. We had to make a chance. We had to try to get things working in IE the same way they were working in, you know, on uh, Chrome or whatever. And then so we made a change in IE, and then that broke Chrome, and then we fixed it, and then it didn't work in Firefox. <laughs> yep. And you go through this whole process, and it and it just that kind of thing makes me want to quit. And uh, <laughs> I think I said that uh, at one point. And I, I think we have a way to solve that problem. And uh, I would love to get to the point where I can I can I can sit down at a REPL and have all the browsers that I care about open at once and then get the code right and know that it works everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. to me, like that's the end goal. Like when I'm there, then then uh, it's going to be a lot of fun writing applications. Yeah, no, that's that's a really awesome vision, Brenton. And it's very much in line with, I, I, I forget, somebody made the comment, they're like, everything you touch, Brenton, turns to awesome. So uh, <laughs> I think it, uh, yeah, so... I, I, I guess that that actually leads into kind of a, a wrap-up question I'd like to ask you is, um, so it, is there kind of anything else you, you want to make people aware of? I mean, I know you've been working really hard on this problem for quite a while. Um, are there other things that you're working on that you're that you want that you want people to know about, or any other any shouts out you want to give, or anything like that? Well, I mean, I I, I you know. I'm not sure what that last statement that you made about me is true. I just feel like I get to work on uh, really cool stuff with a lot of other smart people, and I feel like, you know, especially with Closure Script, I'm working on some of the more fun parts. But there's a lot of people who have, do- who have done a lot of work on the uh, the lower level, very important parts. So, you know, starting with Rich and moving up uh, through a bunch of people, Fogus and uh, and David Nolan and um, and everybody else who has worked on Closure Script. So, uh, I would like to thank all of those people. And I, and if it wasn't for Relevance, I, could, I I couldn't have done this. So everybody that's helped at Relevance, all the designers and you and Fogus and um, just everybody. So, yeah. all right, it's a, great. it's a great place to work. I agree. I agree. Or I wouldn't be here doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, of course there is one final question I have to ask you, which is, what should we, what music should we play on the way out here? Uh, on the way out, well, I don't know. I would go with uh, well, my two favorite bands are Metallica before uh, and Justice for All, and then Black Sabbath. So something from Black Sabbath, uh, um, Paranoid would be. All right. Appropriate on the Very way. good. I was wondering a little bit if you were going to pick one by Metallica, but you said before Justice for All, so of course that rules that out. 
All right. Um, up, up to you, up to you, and including and justice for. I see, but well, of course, you know, one postdates that. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, Brent, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with us. I think people are really going to get uh, a lot out of your work, um, and I'm really looking forward personally to seeing the reactions and, and to seeing what people do with it, and to getting to. Um, continue to work with this project on you for at least a little while here so uh yeah i, I hope you'll um uh come back and uh you know at some point and maybe we can look back and go hey remember we asked that question about when will you know that closure script was a success maybe we can you'll be able to say well it was you know june 16th when this person did this thing that's when i knew <laughs> right so thanks everybody for listening and thanks again Brenton, for being on and we will catch you next time on think relevance the podcast Thanks.